This morning, I want to continue to talk about the parables of chapter 25 that we started last week. Last week, we talked about um, the first parable of that, of that chapter, and uh, we're going to talk about the second one tonight, today, and this is, ta- this is the, the parable of the talents, or the parable of the bags of gold, depending on what your Bible translated as. But we're going to continue to examine this, and the context of this, again, is Jesus was talking about end-time events. He was talking about things in the previous chapter about what's going to happen in the end times and what are the, what are the signs of the end times. And so this is all set in the context of what do we do now when we see these things happening. And I believe we see these things happening around us. And so what Jesus is trying to say to the people of his day and to us as well is that when we see things happening that are end time related, this is the time to get, get and stay busy. Busy about the kingdom, building the kingdom of God. This is not the time to put our head in the sand and wait for it to happen. Rather, this is a time to keep working and developing the kingdom. And so this is what we're talking about in Matthew chapter 25. Again, um, Jesus is talking to his disciples and to others in this parable. And uh, he is talking about um, the importance of us getting involved and working the kingdom. Now, understand that Jesus loves people, right? I think we need to, we've been talking about that all, all morning, about how Jesus loves us. So sometimes we, when we look at these parables, uh, Jesus talks some pretty hard things. Uh, he is not, he doesn't um, soften his words as a way to show his love. Rather, he speaks more truth as a way to show his love, because truth is love. And, uh, and so it's only um, good for us to share the words in Christ's um, fashion of love, but yet truth. And we're going to see some things in this parable that are going to step on our toes a little bit. I guarantee you they stepped on mine, so they're probably going to step on yours a little bit. But I think it's important that we understand it and still read it and, and apply it the way Jesus intended it. So let's read it. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 25. You can open in your Bible because we're going to be there for quite a bit. It's quite a long passage. Chapter 25, beginning at verse 14. It says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, and he said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here here it is. Here is what belongs to you. 
His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. And we're asking you to open up our hearts, our eyes, and our ears to what you would have to say to us this morning. Lord, help us not to be offended. Help us not to be uh, on edge. Help us rather to hear what you are saying to us this morning. Lord, I pray that this message would come across in love and in mercy and in grace and in truth. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That was a relatively lengthy passage, and I hope you were able to stay with it and hear the story and hear what was being said. So we're going to take some time now and just kind of break it down verse, verse by verse and try to understand clearly what Jesus was saying to the people of his time and also to what he's saying to us today. Beginning at verse 14, it says, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So let's define the players in this parable. First of all, the man going on a journey or the master, if it says that in your Bible, who is that person? That person is Jesus Christ. He's the absolute owner and the proprietor of everything. He is the creator and he is the provider of everything. He owns all things. He is the master in this story. And, he, and, and everything we have is only because of Jesus. So he's the master. He owns all things. The servants, who are the servants? Those are they that call themselves Christians. Those that claim to be followers of Christ. Every person that claims to have a relationship with Jesus, they're identified as the servants. What was given to the servants when the man was going on a journey? The man basically was entrusting his wealth to the servants. He was going on a journey. He was not going to be able to take care of the business that he normally would if he was there. So what he's doing here is he's giving his wealth to the servants. Whose wealth is it? Whose wealth is it? Let's remember that it's his wealth. Everything the servants had or have is not theirs. They didn't earn it. They didn't design it. They didn't manufacture it. They didn't deserve it. It was given to them from the master to take care of and everything that they were going to do with it. It was not to their credit either. All right. How did he proportion it? And what was the occasion of it? Well, let's read verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So again, why? Why was he dividing it? Because he was going on a journey. The application for that today is this. Jesus, when he lived on this earth, and he died and rose again and went back to heaven, and he's left us, as his servants to tend the earth. So the application for us today is that that's really, that really happened. Even though this is a parable, this really happened. Jesus is no longer here with us today on earth. He is on a journey. He left for an indefinite period of time, and he left the work of building the kingdom to his servants, to Christians, to his followers. So it's important that we understand that, that when he left this earth, he gave us the responsibility 
and he gave us the tools to do it. He didn't leave us without the right tools. He didn't leave us uninformed. He didn't leave us uneducated or without the ability to do what he's asking of us. Again, I go back to the Matthew Henry commentary, and this is what he says about this particular verse. It says, when he went, when Jesus went back to heaven, he took care to furnish his church with all things necessary for it in his personal absence. For, and in consideration of his departure, he committed to his church truths, laws, promises, and powers. The good thing that is committed to us, and he sent his spirit to enable his service to teach and profess those truths, to press and observe those laws, to improve and apply those promises, and to exercise and employ those powers, ordinary or extraordinary. Thus Christ, at his ascension, left his goods to his church. Basically, what he did is that when Jesus left and he gave us the responsibility to work the kingdom, he said, I'm going to give you the responsibility, but I'm going to give you all the authority to do it as well. I'm going to give you the promises. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom so that you have the right to do what I'm asking you to do. John chapter 14 talks to us a little bit more about this in verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. Here's the beautiful thing. Jesus didn't leave us alone to do the work. He didn't leave us alone to do the work. Verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world, however, cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor, nor knows him, but you know him, because he lives in you, and he will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is here. He's, he, his spirit is here. Jesus physically is gone, but the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us do the work that we're committed to do. That's so, does, that, does that ring true with you? Isn't that an amazing thing that Jesus would give us that responsibility, but at the same time not expect us to do it on our own? We can't do it on our own. And when we think we can, that's the point where we're going to have problems. That's the point where we're going to have many frustrations when we start thinking that it's about me to do it. I can't do this on my own. I am desperate for the Lord to step into my life and do the things that he's charged me to do. Paul tells Timothy that, that he's given a charge to guard what was given to him in regards to living out the life of being a follower of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul says to Timothy, What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you or the bags of gold that were entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So again, we don't have to worry about ourselves being the only source. That's so important that we recognize that. It's so important that we know that God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to be our advocate, to be our paraclete, to come alongside of us and to lift us and to encourage us and to give us the wisdom and the ability to do the things that we need to do. The next thing we observe is that the master gave the wealth to the servants in differing measures. One servant received five bags, one three bags, and, and the other one bag. Why? Why different measurements? 
Well, first thing, the first thing that, that we need to think about here that's obvious is the master was the one that, that decided how much to give to each servant. We don't see any dialogue here. We don't see here the master saying, well, how much do you want? How much do you think you can handle? No, the master knew each servant well enough to say, oh, I think I'm going to give you five bags because I know you can do five bags. I'm going to give you two bags, and I'm going to give you one bag. So he determined, the master determines who got the gifts, who got the talents, who got the bags of gold. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit more, about what that represents. The second thing to notice is that everyone got at least one bag. (laughs) There was no servant that didn't have any bags. So there's no one left out here. Everybody has at least one bag of gold. So there's no excuse at the end of the day thinking that, well, God, you didn't give me anything to work with. You didn't give me any abilities to, you didn't give me any talents. That's not the truth. That's an excuse. Because God gave, the master gave each servant at least one bag of gold. Now let's talk about what the bag of gold or the talent represents. This bag of gold or the talent that, would, that, would, that he's talking about in this parable, they represent different gifts or natural abilities that we have to use in our life. Each one of us has a natural a gift of some type that's unique to you that no one else has. Only you have what you are. And it's something that is a gift and it's something that you can invest and that you can grow The question is, how do we use them? How do we use the gift or gifts, the talents that God has given us? For whose purpose are we using them? Who gets the glory and the credit for what those gifts allow us to accomplish? Who benefits as a result of our use of these gifts? So there's there's some good questions, some some good choices that we need to make with the gifts or the talents or the abilities that God gives us, he gives them to all people, whether they're saved or not. There's a lot of people that aren't saved that have God gifts. The question for us, as as we've given our heart to Christ, and we recognize that who he is in our life, how are we going to then use the gifts that he's given us to build the kingdom, or are we going to use them selfishly for ourselves? So again, why the difference? Why the different gifting? Why do some have more than others? Matthew Henry says that again, all had not alike, for they had not all like abilities and opportunities. God is a free agent, dividing to every man severally as he will. Some are cut out for service in one kind, others in another as the members of the natural body. This is what's so amazing about this. Every believer, every believer is part of the family of God. And each one of us have unique and separate gifts. And we are to celebrate those gifts. We're not all to be like the other person. We're not all to be like one person and like one mind. We are to celebrate the differences that we have and allow each person to operate fully in the gift and the talent that they have in the church. If we didn't do that, we would be a cult. The difference between a cult and a church is that we celebrate differences. A cult says, no, everybody thinks like me. Everybody acts like me. 
Everybody does exactly what I say. That way, when I say drink the Kool-Aid, everybody drinks the Kool-Aid. That's not what a church is. A church says, oh man, I see you doing something a little bit different than the way I would. Amen. I'm glad you are, and I'm glad you can, because you can do it so much better than I can, and I celebrate that with you. I celebrate what God has given you differently than what he's given me, and vice versa. Now, the difference is, we need to use that. We need to use those gifts. It's when we don't use the gifts, we have problems. Let's continue. What do the servants do with the bags of gold or the talents given to them? Start in verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So we see in this parable two of the servants got busy immediately and put the money to work. And the other one went and hid it in the ground. Matthew Henry, they were diligent and faithful. They went and traded. They put the money they were entrusted to with to the use for which it was intended. Laid it out for goods and made returns of it. And as soon as their master was gone, they immediately applied themselves to their business. Those that have so much work to do, as every Christian has, need to set about it quickly and lose not time. And lose not time. I think many of us, myself included, we tend to procrastinate. We think we, think we, have, we know we have work to do, but for whatever reason, we say, well, we'll do it tomorrow. Or we'll do it when I have more energy. Or we'll do it then. We'll do it later. The two servants that the man was pleased with, the two servants that the master was pleased with, they went to work immediately with the resources they were given, and they didn't waste time. They didn't waste God-given time because none of us know how much time we have, do we? None of us really know that we are guaranteed how many days. We don't know. So it's only wise of us to invest what we have immediately. And let's not sit on our hands. Let's not wait. They were successful. They doubled their money. And the master was pleased. What about the servant that didn't bring a return of the investment back? What, did, what happened to him? See, in this parable, we're going to see that this man suffered great loss. When the, when the master came back, he didn't just get a slap on the wrist. And he said, ah, man, I expected more out of you. Sorry. And, and let the man go. No, I mean, this man was severely punished. This man was called a wicked and lazy servant. And it was not as though the man was just getting a slight um, reprimand. No, this man was cast out in the art of darkness. This man was not going to stay with the other two. And I think sometimes when we read Jesus' parables and read these hard words, that we, don't, we discount that. We think that Jesus is just a little bit upset. No, Jesus was pretty angry here in this parable. This master was not, was not playing with this man. This was serious business. Somewhere, some way, we have gotten the story mixed up. And I'm speaking from my own experiences here. Somehow, in my Christian life, I have gotten the perception that work doesn't matter. That I can be saved and I can be pleasing to the Lord by just coming to church, sitting in a pew, and then going home and doing nothing. I don't know where I get that from other than maybe I'm lazy and I'm wicked. (laughs) 
I don't know where I get that from, but the problem here, folks, is that if that's your version, if that's my version of Christianity, we're misguided and we're deceived. There has to be a level of work in our spiritual life, not to earn our salvation, but as a result of our salvation. So let's read the parables and let's really listen. Let's not risk being offended here because we think we have to work. No, let's read what Jesus is saying and really apply it to our life so that we're not going to be left wanting when the master returns. So let's just keep that mindset in our mind as we go along. In this parable, when were they judged? Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. See, there was a long time coming here. And we, we don't see any opportunity here for performance reviews along the way. These servants were given the charge to invest the money, and the master left, and they had no idea when he was coming back, and they had no opportunity to have a performance review while he was gone. So for their, their disadvantage was that they didn't have anybody checking up on them. They were just entrusted to be faithful with what they had. Now, we have the advantage today in that let's look at this as a performance review. Let's look at this as somebody coming alongside of us and, being, and helping us be accountable. And this will help us if we receive this with the right light, in the right fashion. Because I know when I, had, when I was in the business world, I went through yearly reviews, annual performance reviews, and I didn't like them. They weren't fun. I didn't enjoy them. But it was necessary because that way I could then understand what my employer expected of me, and I could make sure that I was meeting his expectations so that I was then doing the job that he expected of me. I wish that we had, well, I don't say I wish, we do have opportunities for annual performance reviews in the kingdom if we would just open our hearts and minds to them, if we would be accountable to the word of God. But so many of us don't want to be accountable to the word of God. We want to just live a life that's comfortable. We, we think that God's blessing to us is proved by the fact that I have wealth, that I have health and strength, that I have all these things. Therefore, God must be blessing me because look all the, look all, all the abundance that I have. But am I being faithful? Am I really being faithful in the spiritual things to return an investment back to the master when he returns at the end of the day? Am I, is he going to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful, because you've turned that talent that I gave you, you turned it into more for the kingdom, not more for yourself. Some good questions there. It's a good account, this is a good accountability session. This is a good opportunity for us to, to let the Lord deal with us personally and say, God, would you give me a performance review on this one? James chapter 3 tells us that we are to have evidence of being faithful to God. It says in James 3.13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by good deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So we are to have work. We are to have good deeds that are to be obvious. And James also instructs that there must be action with our faith. James 2.14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. James says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You see how, I see how action is evidence that we're actually doing something in the kingdom of God? Not doing it to please men, not doing it for the praise of men, but we're doing it because we're obedient to the Father and that our actions are proving our love back to him. Back to the parable. Verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man and harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. Here, here's what it belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have had interest with it. The master was not happy at all. It sounds like the, the servant spent more time making excuses, planning his excuse when the master came back than actually working the parable, working the, the bag of gold, working the talent that he had. For the good people, for the good people, for the good servants, Jesus came back, or the master came back, and he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. They, they doubled their money. They came back, and their response from the master was, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful you will receive more as a, as a, response, a responsibility and you will share in your master's happiness. Come share that with me. But that's not, what, that's not what the third servant responded with at all. That's not what he heard. See, it seems that, a, that the busier a person is, the busier the person is in the kingdom, the less time they have to, to, to make up their excuses, the, left, the less time they have to complain or grumble about the things they don't like. If I'm busy working in the kingdom, if I'm busy evangelizing, if I'm busy working, doing the things that need to be done in the church and in the community, I have less time to worry about what my church does that I don't like. <laughs> I have less time to, to let the, my, my dislikes rise up because I'm so busy with the positive things in life that the negatives never come up. It's those that aren't busy are the ones that have all the time to think about the things that they're offended about. And they get then worked up on it. They come back and say, I don't like this, I don't like that. And they're the ones that are part of the, uh, rather than being part of the problem or part of the solution, they're part of the problem. And so what, the, what this parable is saying is get busy immediately, get busy and work the kingdom and then keep your minds occupied in the positive things of your work so that you don't have time for the negative things to rise up. Because the devil will come up. My dad would always say an idle mind is the devil's workshop. An idle mind is a devil's workshop. If I've got nothing to do but sit and daydream, eventually my mind is going sour. Eventually I'm going to be thinking about things I shouldn't be thinking about. But if I stay busy, if I stay busy in the kingdom, then my mind stays occupied. So what does a master do to the servant that didn't have the return? Verses 28 and 30. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from him. And this is the thing that really hurts. This last verse, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I thought Jesus loved me. I thought Jesus loved everybody. 
Why is he saying this? Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, his love demands justice. His truth demands justice. This poor man, he was embarrassed. He was humiliated in front of his friends. He was humiliated then. Then the punishment got even more severe because then he was cast outside. See, we here can live in a state of state of self-deception that we're good, we're okay, we, we're, we're comfortable in, in our, our American dream. Don't rock my boat. We can have all of the, 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 the deception going that say, I don't need to do, I don't need to work, I'm, I'm comfortable. But that day's coming, isn't it, folks? The day's coming when the judge is going to come and he's going to say, what am I doing? What have, what have I done? What have I done? Here's something that's interesting that we never read about in the parable, but w- were these people, were these servants aware of what, what each other was doing? In other words, did the first two build off each other and the third see what they were doing and resent them? I'm, I'm assuming they probably, if they were in the same household of the same servant or the same master, I'm assuming they must have seen each other when the, servant, when the master left. So the two that got to busy immediately and were working... They probably were feeding off of each other. They probably were encouraging each other. Where the third servant over there was thinking, oh, you bunch of do-gooders. You guys are brown-nosing. No, you guys are crazy. No, why are you spending all this time doing it? I'm going to be fine. I'm fine. I've, I've got it. I'm just hit it. See, he didn't squander it. He didn't go to the, to the casino and gamble it away. He didn't spend it on alcohol. He didn't spend it on things of, of the vices of the world. He did nothing wrong with it. He just didn't do anything good with it. There's a thing called the sin of omission, meaning that there's a sin when we don't do what the Lord has given us opportunity to do. I think that's our biggest problem today. I don't think we have a lot of problem with sin of commission, meaning things that, of the bad things we do. I think we're good people. I think we're all pretty solid people here. I think we're all pretty solid in, in the things that we do morally. But the things that I don't do, know are the things that you don't do when you're giving an opportunity to do them. And that's the sin of omission, which is a thing that this third servant was really judged for. Not judged for the bad things that he did, but he was judged for the good things that he didn't do. And that's the thing that scares me. When I stand before God someday, and I, had, I have had all these opportunities to do something for other people, but it inconvenienced me, and I didn't do it, that's a sin. Anytime that I don't do what God asked me to do, that's a sin. And that might get, keep me out of heaven. It kept this man out of heaven. Did you see that? This man did not celebrate with the two servants that brought back a double return. He was cast out into outer darkness. And that's where I said it earlier in the sermon. Somehow, somewhere, my salvation mix has got screwed up. Somehow, some way, I think I'm deceived. Because I got the impression that I could be, a, I could be a, a, a Christian by just saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. One time, and then living my life like I never said it. No, maybe it's, that, maybe, maybe it's not that severe. Maybe, I, maybe I'm a good person. But if I'm not doing, if I'm not working in the kingdom, if I'm not living out this parable, I'm afraid that what the Lord may come back and tell me sometime and say, Mike, you were, you were a wicked, lazy servant, even if you thought you were good, because you didn't do what I asked you to do. Now, I don't mean to step on toes, but 
Can you identify with me at all on that? Am I the only one here that might have that fear? And I'm not saying that we all work ourselves to death, but I am saying we do something. Not everybody needs to do everything. We can't do everything. That we can't, the, the person with one bag, he wasn't expected to bring five bags back. He was only expected to bring one bag back. Right? The man with two that doubled to four, he got the same award, the same acclaim from the master. Well done, the good and faithful. He didn't say, well, you didn't do quite as good as the guy with five, but you did good for a guy with two. No, he said, well done. You did exactly what I asked you to do with what I gave you to do. So we all have different talents. Not everybody has to do everything, and thank goodness for that because we can't do that. So there's no pressure on that. But the pressure is, are you doing anything? Are we doing anything in the kingdom? Jackie, if you'd come, please, we'd start winding this down. I want to know, how do we apply this today? How do we take this and apply this in our world today? Well, I think the first thing that we can do is recognize that work, work is necessary. But as I find what my passions are, and when I find the things that motivate me, that's what I put my hand to. The things that motivate me are the things that turn work into ministry. And when work changes into ministry, it's no longer work. It's ministry. And that's where we work. That's what the Lord's going to come back for when he says, I gave you a task, and you put your hand to it, and you did it with all your heart. Yeah, maybe, maybe for a while it's going to be hard. Maybe you're going to be uncomfortable for a while. Maybe it is going to stretch you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But as you allow that work to change and become a ministry, all of a sudden now that work isn't work anymore. Rather, it is a fulfilling process. It's a fulfilling effort. The Lord says, well done. And he starts giving you a claim right away. The devil, on the other hand, will try to say, no, don't do anything. Sit on your hands. Don't do anything because you know what? You're going to be good. You're fine. Trust me. Trust me. You're fine. Don't trust the devil. <laughs> you can't trust him. He's a liar. He's a liar. So this morning, I guess my, my charge this morning to all of us is what is it? What is the thing? What is the bag of gold that God has entrusted you with? Is it one bag or five bags or two bags? It doesn't make any difference how much. Is what is it? And where, how can you find it, put it to work in the kingdom of God? Whatever it is, teaching Sunday school in the nursery, um, helping orphans. That brings us right into Orphan Sunday next week helping other families that are doing that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm called to be a foster parent. Maybe I am called to adopt. Maybe not. But there's something for all of us to be doing in the kingdom. And when I find that, when I find what that is, then all of a sudden work becomes ministry, and then it becomes fulfilling, and it becomes something I want to do. It becomes evident. People see it in me. I'm, I'm showing Jesus in it. I'm showing the light of Christ in it. People are seeing what's different about you. I mean, the whole thing just rolls into being a godly man or a godly woman. And that's, what, that's what's pleasing the Lord. And that's what's building the kingdom. And that's how churches, families of God grow. Because we're impacting the lives of people. Not just worried about ourselves. And not just trying to hoard up for our own benefit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you.
I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for parables. I thank you how you share us with us the truth that you have for us in your intensity of love, in your passion of love. Lord, and that I would take a look at a, a message like this and I would look at it and say, you know, yeah, I could get offended by it and I could get angry over it and I could throw stones at the pastor and I could do all this stuff because he said some things. Or I could look at it and say, you know, man, I needed that. I, I needed a little shakeup. I needed a little bit of accountability in my life today. I needed something to, to share with, to share in my heart to say, boy, there is something I can do. And, and that thing that I wanted to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to step out and do something today. I'm going to take that opportunity as, an, as a sign from you, God, that it's, it's, it's that t- talent. It's that bag of gold that you've given me. And, Lord, I want to be pleasing in your sight. I really want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. So, God, I pray that you would just help us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give each one of us this morning uh, a, a, a new desire, a new song. God, a, a new passion, you would rekindle in us the desire to work in the kingdom and that we would be pleasing in you, Lord, that we don't want to be that wicked, lazy servant. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father.